Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. And welcome to another episode of the SD4L Show. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with my co-host, Brian Massalm. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good, good. Big game this week. <clears throat> little sore throat. Mm. We get a big game this week? I think so. That's what people are saying. I, yeah. You know, this is uh, one of those games that we circle around our, our calendar and we wait for. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Talk to us. I think we have um, a guest here with us that uh, knows all about how big this game is. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Coach D'Antonio, how you doing? Doing great. Good evening, guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, as you know, this is a game that uh, you, um, at least for the younger generation, have taken it to another level with your competitiveness <laughs> in this game. and. A lot of us that grew up in this state, uh, especially my age, they've just seen Michigan State kind of have the edge in this rivalry. We've got to ask you, first and foremost, which of your wins against Michigan would you say was probably the one that either you enjoyed the most when you're sitting at home at night after the game or that, you, that hit you in the most in the locker room? What was the one most memorable win, if you could quantify one? Well, I, I don't think I can quantify one. I mean, with, uh, with all due respect to all the players who played in that football game, you know, they were all great wins for us. And uh, I will say the ride home is always uh, is one of the best bus rides you'll ever be on. So, you know, when you win down there, you know, it, it makes the league a little bit more special. Hey, uh, Coach, you know, Tuck, Tuck talked about or showed his team uh, all the bulletin board material this Monday. And, uh, Obviously, when you were head coach, did you show your, you know, there was a lot of bullet, bulletin board material. Did you show a lot of the players a lot of that? And were you thankful that, that a lot of that was presented? You know, I really didn't show too much of that. You know, I just kept telling our players, I know in 13, I started telling our players, hey, keep the line in the cage. You know, really... Games can be won or lost on the football field. The team that makes the least amount of mistakes you can remain composed and you can fight through some adversity and, and continue to be up, you know, have energy throughout the football game. Usually it's the one that's got a chance to win. And you got to do the things you got to do. You got to run the ball or stop the run. You got to win the turnover battle. All those different things are winning. But we didn't get too involved, you know. I, I know that, uh, uh, you know, maybe, you know, the whole thing started in 07 a little bit, but uh, for the most part, we try to say business as usual, big game, but bring your edge to the game. Don't bring your edge during the week. So, Coach, when you would see things before the game, whether it was former alums, whether it was players on the team, kind of taking that win for granted on the other side of the rivalry, would you kind of see that as sort of a comforting factor, knowing that once again, year after year, they continue to not take the game seriously, I would say, kind of, and taking it for granted. What was your reaction when you would see the bulletin board material, even if you weren't presenting it to your team? Well, you know, the amazing thing is, you know, when you're coaching, you're sort of, 
you know, twenty four seven right in the in the bubble, and so you really don't see a lot of the stuff that's mm. out there. You just don't. You may hear it second or third hand, but you really don't see it. You know, you don't have time to read the paper. You know, you sort of figure that the guys who played the game in the past always have a little something to say about it either side. So, um, you know, that's sort of normal. But uh, um, I really didn't pay too much attention to it. I, I really watched the film and tried to say, hey, what do we got to do to win the football game? You know, and uh, I think that's when you look at, you know, now that I sit back and, you know, I read a little bit, get on some stuff in a little bit. But, uh, you see Coach Tucker, I think, following that same same type of message. You know, it's, it's going to be what happens in the game. And then, right. it, you know, fallout comes after the game for a day or so. And then it, I've always been one of the most important things I felt like we did with our program is how did you react? How did you play after this game? After a big game, what was going to happen next? You're going to handle adversity. You're going to be able to deal with success, one of the two. So we sort of counted that game as a, as a, as, as a big game, but... What are you going to do next? You try to put that into the present. But, you know, Coach, one thing you did very well, right, is that um, a lot of our players did not trash talk leading up to that game. And I think uh, a lot of that had to do with the, with the leadership of the program. Um, when, when you look at, like, MSU players, they don't trash talk like U of M players do. Um, like, where does that come from? What makes you think of the the U of M ecosystem, and and why is that? Just curious. What what's your personal belief? Forget bulletin board bulletin board material. Why is that? Well, you, know, you know, I guess it's sort of inbred in you know, so I don't know. It's been that way really for a long, long time, long before I came to Michigan State. And then you got to remember I was six years at Michigan State as an assistant, five with Nick. And, uh, you know, so I got a taste of it when I was an assistant a little bit. And so, you know, when I came back as a head coach, you know, I, I knew the game was important. I knew that we had to measure up. I thought that was very important, just like after we had success doing that, then we had to measure up versus Ohio State in this conference. We had to win the conference. You had to play through Ohio State at that time. At that time, that was the, you know, that was the program that you had to measure up to as well. So, you know, it was just a focal point for us. And, um, you know, coach is coach. So I was busy coaching and uh, I didn't deal with it too much, I don't think. I, I probably reacted sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, right? It was, it was measured. It was measured and it was well calculated. <laughs> Coach, um, kind of jumping to the more, more modern uh, kind of moments of this rivalry, one of the things that stick with me is after uh, Michigan State beat Michigan last year, there's a picture of you standing on the field, taking in the Michigan State players celebrating by the student section. What was going through your head during that moment, seeing you take that in? Well, first and foremost, I'm a Spartan. Before, you know, before being the head coach, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was a Spartan, you know, having been here in the past and everything. And, uh, you know, I was just thrilled for Coach Tuck. Um, big win for him, making the 2-0. I think he's the first coach to ever do that. And then I was thrilled for our players, uh, the ones that had, who had been there with me, and then the new ones. So it was just a, a feel-good moment. So I just sort of was down there. You know, I came down right to – actually came down when we were 13 or 14 points down. And all of a sudden, it sort of turned, and uh, it, uh, you know, I was there for the moment. You know, it was part of the show. It was a good show. 
They just wanted to be there, and he just felt, you know, at peace. You know how you, when you win that game, you're sort of at peace. Yeah, <laughs> you are. It makes sense. You know, you sort of, you sort of like, okay, move on from there, and uh, you know, goal accomplished. But you know, coach, like you've changed the trajectory of the program. I mean, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but uh, really, the way you, the focus you put on it was very similar to uh, what Trust did at Ohio State versus Michigan. Um, but just moving away from that for a second, right? When you, what prompted you to film You Will Be the Ones, the one at, at the Rose Bowl? Like, what prompted you to do that? You were there, you were in there, and you filmed that, which became very prophetic. And how did that come about? Tell us, please. Well, we'd gone out there for a donor event, and I took our family for a little vacation. So we, we, we thought, hey, we're only 30 minutes away from the Rose Bowl. Let's go up and let's go see it. And uh, I'd been there as a graduate assistant at Ohio State. But let's go see it. So we got there. The guard at the Rose Bowl didn't let us in. So we had to call, call We had to call Michigan State. They had to call the Big Ten. They had to call the Rose Bowl. And then we finally got in there. We just walked around and I just pitched the phone. I took some pictures because I wanted to bring back some type of picture for our, player, for our players to, to look at and try and identify with because none of them had ever been there. And then I flipped the phone to my oldest daughter, Kristen, and said, hey, film this. And so, you know, I, I'd said before you would be the ones. And it was, it was sort of just what I had said at one, at one point. And so I said it again. And uh, it was powerful when I showed it to our football team the night before the Big Ten Championship. And, mm. uh, so uh, it was just sort of one of those things that, that happened. But uh, all along the way, you know, I've been, you know, I, I feel like I've been blessed along the way. I can't see it any other way than that. There's too many things that have happened that uh, you know are out of the norm. I think. Coach, you um, kind of embraced uh, Rich Homie Kwan as sort of an unofficial mascot um, <laughs> during, the, during the Rose Bowl run. Can you tell us how that came to be? Did you hop on the phone with uh, Rich Homie and say, we need you in the locker room? Like, what, what was that kind of whole setup? What went into that? How did that come together? Well, Doc Quez, <laughs> you know, uh, Quez Denard sort of set that up. He, he knew what he being from Georgia and everything. He was sort of more of a local maybe local artists at that time were up and coming. And so uh, we would always play a song after the game, so he started playing that one, and that sort of stuff. And prior to that, we played a variety of songs, and I just felt like, you know, sort of talk when I was down talking to Dabo Sweeney, he'd say, oh yeah, you know, we danced a lot when we played, played music, and I picked the music and all that kind of stuff, and I was like, it's a good idea, we'll play something. <laughs> so I sort of left it up to them and, and what they wanted to do, and so, uh, Quez was one of our captains that year, and he sort of brought that forward. And uh, and then the next thing I know, you know, I didn't know where Tony was coming to the game. And the next thing I know, he's in the Rose Bowl locker room. Owen, play that video yeah, of Coach. I remember saying, saying to Eddie George, he said after the Big Ten Championship game, yeah. What are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to go dance with our players. And he said, What are you going to listen to? I said, We're telling the clock. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, said, I no, too. Check it out. So, yeah. co Coach, probably the most prophetic statement of this program's history is going to be played right now. This game's an important game. So, they want to mock us all they want to mock us. I'm telling them it's not over. 
So they can print all that crap all they want all over their locker room. <coughs> it's not over. It'll never be over here. It's just starting. Every Spartan in America lives by that. Tell us what made you say that, and did you realize the effect that was going to have on this program going forward? No, I didn't realize what kind of effect that would have. And, you know, as I said earlier, you know, um, I sort of live in a bubble. So I did not even know. And that, that's a Monday press conference. So I did not know until that time when the reporters asked me about, you know, the little brother statement and all. I didn't, I didn't know that it happened. So, you know, call me naive or whatever, but, you know, I was working. <laughs> so it's Monday, and I think if you show that whole video at the end of it, I said, you want to talk about Purdue. I, do, I remember that. Yes. But uh, it just it just sort of touched me in a certain way, and uh, yeah. It's, it's I just. Didn't know that effect, no. I know you needed to win. Yeah. And that was very important. You needed to win, and I know that we should have won that football game too. Uh, we were up by eleven, but I think three forty to go or something. Mm -hmm. Coach, when, when you started at Michigan State, I, I've listened to your introductory press conference several times and, and all those interviews throughout your tenure too, you never shied away from publicly asserting that that game just meant more. These days you hear coaches all the time, whether it's college football rivalry games, college basketball rivalry games, they always play down the angle and they say, well, every game counts the same, every game counts the same. They try to downplay storylines. What made you have the opposite approach and authentically address how much that meant as opposed to taking sort of the mainstream angle to those sort of instances? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, Michigan's a great football school, great school, period. Great athletic programs, period. Great football school with a great tradition. And if you're going to be successful at Michigan State in total, you've got to measure up to those guys. And you've got to win your, at least your share, if not more. If you look at the records right now, I think 10 out of the last 14 games have been won by Spartans. By Spartans. So, you know, we're doing a good job with that. Mel is 2-0, and got a chance to be 3-0, and uh, that would be tremendous. That would be 11 out of 15. You can't refute that, but I, I thought that, you know, you got to measure up. That's the first thing, and, you know, you got to do it on the field. You can do it on, you know, you can do it publicly and all that kind of stuff. But that stuff all goes away when the game starts. It's what happens on that football field. So that's what I've tried to do, um, focus in that area. And, uh, you know, along the way, there's always something that happens, it seems, that takes a little bit of focus away from the field, puts it on something dramatic or something, you know, outside the, the game itself. But that's sort of the way it is with private games, too. You know, when, when you talk about Mel, Coach, tell us about the transition, the succession plan, and how's it gone with Mel? I see that Coach has embraced you in the program. And how are you and Mel and, and really transitioning the program? And obviously, uh, uh, you know, working on this succession plan where obviously you're very welcome with open arms and Mel thinks a world sure. of you. How's that been? It's been great. Uh, you know, they've treated me very, very well. Traveled on the team with them, <laughs> team on the team with them. Uh, you know, Mel was my graduate assistant. 
for one of their defensive graduate assistants job. You know, Brian Dable was their other guy, giant. <laughs> Josh McDaniels, Adam Gase, they were all. Um, but um, so he was a graduate assistant. When I went to Ohio State as a defensive coordinator, I had one opportunity to hire one guy. Coach Tress said hire one one defensive coach. Mel was a guy I hired for work with us there for three years. Then I left, and then eventually he left and uh, went on to the NFL. But uh, it's been great. It's been good. Very happy for his success last year. And uh, I know how hard it is to win. It's hard to win. Everybody's working towards the goal of winning a football game. You know, the X and O's, they got all lined up. People have to play, and it's a game of execution. And, you know, they game chances at some points as well. So it's, uh, it's hard to win. For, win and uh, But Al Haller and the entire Michigan State program has treated me great. And, uh, couldn't be happy. Coach, when you look at college football today, a lot has changed from when you were there. Um, players have, yeah, players players have more freedom of movement. Um, players are now able to capitalize on their um, name, image, and likeness. I guess at the same time, it has made the job of coaches much harder. I don't think anyone can can dispute that, regardless of their opinions on any of the policies. If you were now beginning your coaching career today. And you had all of these things to worry about. I guess my question to you is, would you view the industry maybe a little differently? At least like the difference between college and NFL, would you kind of have the same sort of affection for collegiate coaching compared to the NFL coaching? Where is your mindset on kind of the state of college football and your appeal of coaching in it? Well, there's no question it's changed dramatically since I've gotten out. You know, this is the third season. Um, with the NIL and transfer portal, it's much more accessible, um, much more filled with a lot better players. Actually, we want to know the truth. The portal in the initial infancy, you know, there weren't that many great players in there to pick. From, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but um, it's changed. Uh, where I would be, I, you know, I don't know. I don't deal with that right now, so I don't. I don't need to think about it. But you might want to think about pro football a little bit. But you know, I got into I got into coaching. Um, to watch young people grow without any coaching at the purest level because I love football, like the X's and O's, I like helping young people grow and um, watching them grow from an 18 year old person to a 20, 22, 23 year old man, really. And I got uh, a lot of satisfaction out of that. So that's still why, why I would coach. I know they pay you a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. So it's not a bad thing. There's a lot of pressure to go along, along with that. and. I mean, really, you are working 24-7, 365. There's no day off. There's not one. Uh, and so um, you're CEO of a major, major, major corporation. That's what you are. And you're paid to win. And, and so there's a lot of different things going into it. But I think still it's a great game. I just think things have changed a little bit. The norm has changed a little bit in terms of how you have to handle things. and. Uh, some of it's positive, some of it's negative, you know, but there's never going to be something that's completely one way or the other. So, you know, yeah. coach, there's been My a wife always says, if you don't know enough about it, don't say anything. <laughs> You're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's ever changing so rapidly, but let's get, let's get back to what's not changing is that you uh, have M players disrespecting or those of the fan base disrespecting our program. And as we know, obviously we feed off that. 
And that's what that's what we enjoy and what we like. And so when, like, did you did you ever when you were head coach? Would you when you came across some disrespect for Michigan players or alums? Would you immediately react to that to your team? Would you use that as fuel? Did you enjoy that? Was that something that we fed off of? As the fan base, we fed off of that. As the head coach and as the program, is that something that we use to fuel our fire? No, I really never did. As I said before, it was always about keeping the line in the cage and getting to the field, getting to the field with energy and being prepared there. Now, maybe I reacted a little bit more after games but prior to the games I didn't deal with that I just you know if they were here and stuff I didn't have to say anything to them they already they were already involved with social media far more than I am so they know so they might say do you know what's you know, what's being said focus on the task at hand I mean that's that's the only play you can, way you can, you can be successful is, is get it done on the field Absolutely. Which we, did. We, we, we sure did. Owen, we got one, one more video to show, Coach. Coach, we want your reaction after this video. I don't, I don't know if you've seen this before, Coach. A couple times. <laughs> that was a moment. Yeah. So, so, Coach, when you were on the sideline and you saw this play, what was going through your head? I guess first, Coach, what was your reaction before the play happened? And then, or I guess what was going through your mind before the play happened? And then take us through as Jalen is running with the ball. Well, first of all, you coach to the game has ended. Right. You coach every single play, one way or the other, whether you're up or you're down, you coach to it ends. And uh, so... When they called the timeout with 10 seconds to go, that was an opportunity for us to to gather ourselves and have at least have a plan. So we had never practiced it with 11 men up, and I just told them, told Coach Snyder, get a guy and get him in there up front. And I'm not sure who we even put in, um, but uh, we brought all 11. One guy didn't get the message. He, he covered the wideout. Might have been Jermaine Edmondson who actually blocked the last guy, but. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, it was happening so fast, you know. And they did a show on, you know, BTN just came out with a show on on that play, half-hour show. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I saw that. Yep. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. I told him. I said, no, I've never seen it. There's never been a video and never a picture of what I did during that game after that play or during that play. Because I guess all the cameras are focused on the other sideline, but. And I don't remember. So, <laughs> I don't remember. I, Jalen Hurt, you know, I remember that. You waited for all the, all the, the green and white there. But um, I just knew, you know, we had a chance. You know, guys were talking smack to the snapper a little bit. I saw him on the, uh, I saw after, you know, afterwards, I think Matt Morris, he jumped a gap. You know, crossed over another guy and jumped a couple gaps, which might have had a little something to do with it. It was right over in the A-gap, right over the center. And uh, the next thing you know, the ball snapped a little bit low, and it's on. You know, all I could think about is, as he was running down the field, was run out of bounds, and we kicked the field goal and win it. So he took it out. <laughs> Coach, if we tried to re- I'm concerned about. Right. 
If we tried to reenact that play, could we? That'd be a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tough. <clears throat> well, Coach, you've been you've been very, very gracious with your time. We appreciate you. We appreciate all the insight you provided us. Um, I'm not able to have a reading interest these days, but I'll say as a former student, as just a fan of college football in this state, you uh, contributed a lot in uh, enriching the college football experience, and uh, we appreciate you and all you've done, and thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me on, and go green, and be excited to watch the game this weekend. Coach, you changed the trajectory of the whole program, and um, we're going to build off of what you've done. So uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, go white. Yep, Thanks, Coach. Said hi. I will. Thanks, Coach. Coach D, yeah, is he special or what? Yeah, still, uh, you can tell, like, um, going back and, and him reliving the rivalry, and he takes a lot of pride in that game, and, and as he should, as he explained, it's a great measuring stick. It's, um, it's one of those things where if you, if you want to win Big Ten championships, that is a team that you have to beat, and um, he beat them many more times than he lost to them, and um, I think... Uh, who better to have um, retell that era of Michigan State football than the guy that was the head coach of it? Change up, change it all. Yeah, bulletin board material. Yeah, so we kind of referenced this a little bit with um, with Coach D um, this past week. Um, another dose of of uh, bulletin board material was put out by the Michigan uh, sort of ecosystem. Um, kind of the one on the left there, Donovan Edwards. Um, basically um, guaranteed a win and said they're not going to be showing any mercy. This quote was shown to the Michigan State team on Monday. As uh, Coach Tucker said, he showed bulletin board material, and I, I know that this was one of them. The one on the right, it's um, uh, Sam Webb saying, where are all the Sparties um, that were talking trash last year, basically? They're nowhere to be found. This one, um, this is interesting. This is the one that I wanted to address. When, when Michigan State um, sort of approaches the rivalry games, obviously there's trash talk on both sides, especially the winning, the winning party each year should probably have a little more bragging rights um, than the other one going into the game. But for the most part, I think from Michigan State fans, you don't see as much of a confident, sort of arrogant bravado before a game. Um, you'll see every that, year, right? You'll see them talk about Coach Tucker's record against Michigan up until that game. You'll see them talk about two and zero. You'll see them talk about nine or ten out of fourteen. But you don't see Michigan State fans ever guaranteeing that they will win or telling Michigan fans how the game is going to go. And for me to kind of see somebody say why are Michigan State fans not coming in with confidence? Well, yeah, I'm sure the 22-point spread has something to do with that. But on the other hand, that's kind of how it's supposed to go. You're supposed to, after you win the game, take pride in the result. You don't go ahead and guarantee wins beforehand, bang the drum beforehand. If Michigan fans have gotten used to approaching the game that way, that's fine. That's how they do it. I know Michigan State players have told me directly that that has helped them get wins. But I don't think that that's anything that's odd. I don't understand that tweet whatsoever, but I think it is a microcosm of how they think the rivalry should go. And I think, honestly, it is a microcosm of why the rivalry has gone in the past few years. So, obviously, none of us block and tackle. Right. We don't throw any touchdowns or run for any touchdowns. Right. I would strain my calf. Yes. Yes. And I, I would hurt my back. Yeah. So Flag football has been rough this season. Yeah. You guys suck. Yeah. But anyway, but I think, 
I think the way that the the fan base handles the game is is pretty similar to the way the players handle the game. Right. I, I really do. It is. And I think, uh, as you've seen over the years, the bravado before the game yeah. is done on one side, yep. and then the bravado talk after the game is done by the right, other. Right, and I think uh, Coach D said it well a few years ago. He said it comes from the program. You've seen this from Michigan. It's not um, from the coach. It yep. comes from the program. You've seen this from Michigan players uh, over different eras. You've seen it under Hoke. You've seen it under Rittrod. You've seen it under uh, Jim Harbaugh now. Um, I just don't understand why they don't see the impact of, of what this leads to, but I'm sure if you ask Michigan State coaches and players, they're thankful that it keeps coming, and I guess um, they didn't get the notice. I think Listen, this year, I mean, if you look at the point spread and what all the experts are saying, right? right? If the game was won in Vegas, Michigan wins, right? Right. But uh, when you look at what's being said outside of the program, actually inside of the program as well, right? I think you can understand that. Uh, yeah. That, you know. Games are won right. come Saturday. And speaking of inside the program, we have two coaches joining us here that are coaching the program, and that is wide receivers coach Courtney Hawkins and uh, safeties coach Harlan Barnett. Guys, thanks for joining us. We know it's a really busy week for you, obviously, over there, but we appreciate your time, and how you guys doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm great, man. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. Yeah, for sure. I think this is a very unique perspective because not only are you two guys coaches, you're you're former dogs. You played in this game. And so you understand what this game means not only Saturday, but what it means to the legacy of the players going forward. And you know, Harlan, you get it. Hawk, you get it. You know what it means. And I'm going to let you guys expand on it. So go ahead. Go ahead, H. Go ahead, Hey, um, just way back to Coach Purvis when I was here in 85. It was my first, my first time getting exposed to it. And uh, he would lay out the whole story about, you know, how, you know, they didn't want to see the big team and all that. He, he's the one. He's responsible for the way that I feel about it. At least starting that way, anyway. It's just built from there. So that's a long time. Um, they don't like us, and we don't like them. How about that? And uh, we're all fine with that. Nobody has a problem with that at all, right? And uh, but like I said yesterday, I was talking with the media. It is good for the state of Michigan. You know, overall, the rivalry itself is a good thing. Um, and, and we love playing them, no matter where we play them. Down there, up here, it doesn't matter. But uh, I'm going to try to speak to the school. Hawk, we know you've been yes, in them sir. wars, and we know, we know what you're telling them dogs you're coaching because there's a big difference between coaching in this thing and then playing and coaching this thing. All right? Now, I played in this thing. And I know what it means, but you both, you gentlemen, have played and coached. So what are you telling your guys today, this week? Um, you know, first I'll say, man, you said former dogs, man. Once you start no, no, no. Dogs, you're right. 
Dogs. We're never former. We're dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me, with the whole rivalry, man, it's the biggest game on the schedule. Whether some people want to admit that or not, that's how we approach it. That's how we approach it. And I was here back in 1892, and it hasn't changed. And, you know, we are a, I say, from the program standpoint, you know, we're about our business. We're going to bring a business attitude. You know, we respect all our opponents. You know, so, you know, the things that we talk about in the building kind of stay in the building. But we will be prepared. And we will play, we will play Spartan ball on Saturday. Yeah, so let me, let me ask you guys. Regardless of who the head coach is, regardless of who the players are, who the position coaches are, one thing that has been a constant over the last, uh, I guess, 15, 20 years is that most of the trash talk that comes before the game comes from only one program. Why do you think Michigan State players, regardless of who's coaching them, mentoring them, who the senior leaders are, regardless of all of that, why has that remained a constant that Michigan State players have tended to let the actions do the talking? That's who dogs are. That's, that's who we are. You know, We talk with our past. We have to talk with our mouth, and then let them talk afterwards, before, after, whatever they want to say. But we we gonna we gonna bring the we gonna bring the physicality. Everybody knows that about Michigan State football. We gonna be physical, no matter what. We coming to bring it, and so that, that's all the talking you need to have. That's it. You know, you know our follow our our uh, our players. You know, they follow the head coach. You know, they follow the culture that's built here. And that's what our culture is built on, man. We're built on, you know, we're going to show up on Saturday. You know, we're going to run out the tunnel. We're going to let it all hang out between the lines, man. And so whatever happens there, you know, however the game goes, the heavy flow of the game, you know, we're going to be there for a war. And then after the game, you know, we pack our lunch pail, get back on the bus, we head back to East Lance, and we on to the next. You know, and and as former players, I know what they're talking about because this means so much more to us. And and credit to Justin, great question because a lot of us we didn't talk smack before the game, right? We let our pads do the talking, and then afterwards we might have had a a word to say or not. But uh, Coach Barnett, let me ask you a question, and and Coach uh, Hawk, who was the who was the dirtiest player you ever played against <laughs> on the other side? <laughs> just, just, just give me, let's just get this juice going here. Come on now. This was 30 years ago, so we're good. Just talk to me. Oh, man. I hate even talking about any of those guys. <laughs> I used to bring up their name, and they feel like, oh, they remember me. And they talk about <laughs> yeah, just, I don't want to. I'll let Hawk get somebody's name. <laughs> this is how deep rooted this is how deep rooted this is right here hey what do they say I played the fifth man <laughs> they have a directive I, I, they have a, one thing man we, we all look forward to playing in that game man every guy that comes to the program this game is earmarked on the schedule uh, for us as Spartans 
These guys have a directive to not give out any bulletin board material. Here you are trying to get them in trouble. No, 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 yeah. no. They think the same way I think. I played in that game. I know what it means. And and that shit stays inside. Because we know who did what. We know who was any good. We know who wasn't any good. We know who talked. You know what? That wasn't any good. And we know who talked. You know what? That was good. So <laughs> they're going to keep it in house. But but they're, they're, they get. Yeah. They know the impact of this game. Yeah. They know what it means to all of us. Right. So you guys have been a part of, in the last two years alone, some really memorable moments of this rivalry. Um, I'm sure some great bus rides uh, after the game. You guys have. Um, kind of ushered in a new era that is showing that this rivalry was not just one that was going to be dominated by Coach D, but also taken seriously and uh, continuing the trajectory in a new coaching staff. What are some moments or plays or memories from the last two years of this rivalry that stick with you guys and you think about from time to time? Um, it can really be anything. Well, um... You know, I'll say for me, man, one of the biggest things is just, just the crowd last year at uh, Spartan Stadium. Just the energy, craziness last year, um, the fact of, you know, the, the, the character of our team. You know, we were down last year, and, you know, we never we never blinked, we never quit, and uh, we got it done. But to be down there on the field, the electricity that, that we felt and that the energy that our fans came with was, it's like no other man, and so that's, that's one of the things that popped in my head when you asked me that question. You know, I just think I, I love the fact that, that dogs are, are coaching these young men because they know the tradition, the history of how much this game means, especially when you're homegrown, right? You're from Flint, you're from Lansing, you're from Dearborn. You know this game means that much more to us. It's that much more important when you watched when you when you've seen like let's go back to 1987 seven picks right was it demetrius brown maybe and we went to the rose bowl 17 11 and you guys both played in that game like how do you explain that feeling to your players man that was that was a great feeling man um to beat them at home like that that was fun Seven picks, John Miller did four. That, that was awesome. That was awesome. Just to beat them and, and after you know, such a dominant defensive fashion. And like we always did and always have. Uh, it was an old school football game. And like you said, we went on to win the Big Ten and, and go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Coach Barnett, uh, your answer for, I guess, your, your favorite memory or moment that sticks out to you from the last two games of the rivalry? Uh, kind of like Hawk, you know, last year how we just kept playing, mm. even what the score was, and everybody talked about, and, and that's 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 kind of Coach Tucker, you know, mo keep chopping, right? And we just kept chopping and kept playing. The kids kept believing, and we <clears throat> we pulled it out. Uh, the year before the, the COVID year, I go down there and empty stadium, and guys, you know, were ready to play. We still took it very very seriously. We still want to win because. It was who they were. Between the lines, it doesn't matter. That's how it's going to be on this side. All right, fans in the stands, the fans in the, uh, fans in the stands or not. 
Uh, we're going to come ready to play between the lines. It's still 11 versus 11. And that's how we like it. We love it. Those are just a good old fight, you know, uh, at 2020 for nobody in the, in the thing. And so um, that's what I remember about those two. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, you guys have been very gracious with your time. Uh, we're going to let you get back to game planning uh, for, for this weekend's game. We appreciate you guys joining us. We appreciate your time. And uh, thank you for joining. And good luck this weekend. Thanks, guys. Good luck, my brothers. Thank you. Go green. Yes, All right. Take care. Go white. Bye-bye. Right. I'll tell you, those are two MSU legends right there. Yeah. They've, yeah. Done, they, they've been there. They played. It's very rare that you're going to have, I think there's five guys on the staff that, I lost my voice, excuse me, <laughs> five guys on the staff that yeah. actually played at MSU. Yeah. So that's a, that's a very, that's, a, that's very rare to see. Yeah. And so there's many on that staff that can explain to the current players right. um, what this rivalry means. They yeah. played in it. They understand it. They yeah. get it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a. This game means, as Coach D said, this game is a very important game. It right. means a lot to a lot of people. It divides, it divides households. Um, it's bragging rights for a year. It's, as you and I both know in the business world, it's, it's more than bragging rights for a year. It's, uh, it's the constant const, consternation that you're hearing from, you know, people from the other side about yeah. the, the game and stuff. So, it, I. I believe this game Saturday is going to be a lot closer than people think. Right. I, I do. Yeah. I actually do. Yeah, and I think uh, those two guys that we just talked to, um, a, a good blend of Coach Barnett being in the college coaching ranks for a long time, being around this rivalry as a coach for a long time, and um, then Coach Hawkins, who just um, finished his second year last year and his third year as a college coach, and um, can't say enough about, um, about what he has done uh, in, in such a short time here from the recruiting ranks, from the um, actual on-field coaching ranks, we, we, what we've seen him do with Keon Coleman and all the other guys here. Done a great job. Yeah, just uh, just job. a phenomenal job. I know that was one of the most underrated hires um, back back when the hire was made. No question. He, um, Coach Hawk was uh, coaching in Flint. He stayed home. He he was uh, the athletic director, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Correct. Just um, just helping the youth down down there, and um, you could tell that he had a passion for developing developing young student athletes. He came here. Coach Tucker took a chance on him despite no uh, FBS or, or college coaching experience. And it has paid off in, in great fashion. And it's awesome to see what he's doing early on here in his tenure at Michigan State for sure. Yeah. Next two guests. Go ahead. We got dogs all over. Yeah. Yeah. As you were saying, a um, lot of coaches on the staff. Um, oh, and do we have both of them here? Okay, perfect. Yeah. So there he is right there. Yeah. There. So there we have um, uh, Kevin, Coach Kevin Vickerson and Dr. Lorenzo Guest joining us today. Um, how you guys doing today? Appreciate you being here, and uh, thank you for your time. Problem. Uh, thanks for having me. It's awesome, man. Appreciate the opportunity to talk to y'all. Low, low. What happened to Wayne Memorial, man? What's going on with the zebras? Hey, man, we re we rebuilt it. <laughs> <laughs> That rebuild's been about 20 years. What's up yeah, with that? Yes, yeah, it's been a minute now. <laughs> so, so, gents, I appreciate you guys joining us, and all of us have played in this game. Um, we all know 
what this game means to us, what it means to our program, our players, our trajectory. Vic, tell us about how important this game was to you and the message you're sending to your players this week. Um, well, to me, being from a kid from Detroit, man, and knowing the history of this game between these two schools, you know, was uh, played a big part of it. Me having close friends and best friends, Ernest. Vic, talk talk a little closer, please, so we can hear you. There you I'm go. I'm sorry about that. There you go. Um, just talking with some of the guys, man, and having that relationship with some of the guys that was on that team as well. Me, me and Ernest Cesar and Braylon went to high school together, so it was, a little, personal, it was, a, little, it was a little personal as well. Um, but but having having that competition and, and three of my teammates being on that team. Um, competing against those guys in this type of rivalry, man, was uh, it was definitely personal, you know, um, and, and memories that I made in it, and just building your legacy, having pride, playing for your Spartan dogs, the ones next to you, the ones before you. Um, I remember Bubba Smith came out and talked to us my senior year, and uh, just that message, man, just. Uh, really putting that perspective on it of how much it meant to the older guys that was before us, you know what I mean? Um, and just having pride in playing that game, man, just leaving it all out on the line, man. And at that time, I had uh, NFL deals, man. My, like my mindset was, was, was kind of focusing on the league a little bit too as well, and knowing that the scouts is everything was, was coming out and it was a highly watched game, man. So all of that kind of played a perspective for me on my end. When I was coming out, man, um, it was it was kind of it was kind of different, but it definitely made it real. I mean, I guess my my after my freshman year, um, you know, it's, it, you know, you never know what it's like until you're, you're actually in that game. You know what I mean? And the intensity of it, the mind state going into it, um. The, the the violence of of the game and and how intense every snap is, it was definitely uh, was definitely of uh, my first experience and getting me letting me know what to expect, man, going forward my my years at, at, after that state. So it was it was definitely intense, man. Mm. Doctor Guess. Yeah. So. Um... Like Vic said, I'm from, from the Detroit area, Metro Detroit area, and I got recruited by both schools. And the game was um, – it's, it's an important game to me because everybody in my family and, and from the area was fans of, this, of the school down the street. Hold, hold and, on. Uh, you also had Michigan helmets at your high school. Just let's, yeah. let's tell everybody yeah. that because we played yeah. against you. Yeah. So, yeah. Be, so I, come I, clean. Come <laughs> clean. Yeah. <laughs> So high school we had the um the um the wing the wing Michigan wing tees and we had the whole shame on you. All right, go ahead. Basketball, everything was exactly the same, and then I, you know, I chose to go to Michigan State. And then it was a humongous game because everybody that I'm close to was Michigan fans. So, and everybody watching the game, and I didn't know that many people watching the game when I was playing at the time, but as I got Got to my junior senior year, I realized that it was it was uh, highly televised, and 
and it, it was very important for, for me, my personally, to win the game because when I go home, I, I ain't gonna hear everybody talk that junk about us not beating that team down the street. So we've played in this game, and we all have friends that are Michigan fans. And we, mm -hmm. you guys are coaching now, that you're coaching young men that some of them might not understand the rivalry. <clears throat> What are we telling them about the importance and what this means about their legacy? Uh, Lorenzo, what, tell, Dr. Gus, tell me. What are we telling them? Uh, what we tell them, telling them is that, like Vic said, um, you're playing for the guys before you, playing for the guys with you, playing for the guys after you. Um, people will ask you, what's your record against Michigan? All the Spartan dogs. They do. And Every your, dog. Your goals have a, a good record against Michigan. Um, so we tell them guys that you, in order to win this game, you got to be physical, fast, and aggressive. You know, if you're not physical, you're not playing fast, not aggressive, there's no way you can win this game. No no years, no, never, ever. So that's what we tell them guys. You got to play for you, play for the guy before you, play for the guys after you. Yeah. And when I played my senior year, Charlie um, Thornhill came and spoke, um, which was Vic's freshman year. So that was um, big for us. God rest his soul, man. Good man. So you guys have probably seen, uh, because it's kind of impossible not to, Michigan um, players and alums, once again, per usual, have decided to uh, talk trash before the game has occurred. Again. Yeah. And um, I guess I want to ask you guys, as, as, as coaches that are around these players and, and able to motivate them going into the game, what is your reaction when you see that bulletin board material being presented to you? Is it kind of like, oh, great, we have this golden opportunity to show this and motivate them? Or is it kind of some irritation of them kind of not um, carrying themselves with more decorum? Where, where do you guys kind of fall on that sort of bulletin board material kind of topic? Um, at the end of the day, man, I, neither one of those guys who said anything going to be able to take a snap in the game. <laughs> or make a tackle. <laughs> or make a tackle. So they, they, their decision and thoughts do not have an outcome on the game, man. We prepare as such. Um, we we anticify the, the, the preparation. We anticify the technique work. We anticify the, the mind state going into it, each play, giving each, each play its due diligence and, and mindset of, 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 of focus. You know what I mean? Um, this game is, is, is more so of you letting them know what's before them, what's coming after them, as far as their legacy goes as well. But at the same time, man, you plan for your brother next to you, and and we go about our business and, and we prepare right. Listen, man, we healthy. I think we we I think we'll be fine. You know, I'm not sounding like a homer, but I think we're gonna be fine too. I actually, in my heart of hearts, believe we're going to walk in there and we're going to win this game. I think we, I don't, I don't want to sound like this because this is a homer show, but we got that last W, we got a couple extra weeks, we got some guys back. I, I believe we will walk into Ann Arbor and win that game. I, I honestly, in my heart of hearts, believe that. It would not be the first time. No. It would it not won't. be the biggest no, spread they've overcome either. Absolutely not. And when you talk about dogs like, you know, Vic, 
Lowe, Harlan, Hawk, you know, guys that are coaching here but not only played here, they know what it takes. They know what it takes. And so, um, Lowe, parting words, right? Before they walk out of that tunnel, what's your message to the team before we let you guys go? Uh, my message to the team is to play one play at a time. Uh, we always talk about it, six seconds of play, one play at a time. Each play has his own life. So you just got to go out there and play one play at a time and then keep stacking the plays and then let the scoreboard end of the game and then see what happens. You know what's so funny is people think like that's such a cliche that each play has its own life and six seconds. No, but it's true. It's true. Each yes, play does has its own life. The previous game doesn't mean anything. The previous five plays do not mean anything. And so I just wish regardless of what we're gonna keep chopping. Keep chopping. Keep chopping. We're gonna keep chopping. Regardless so regardless of what. Regardless of what. So uh Vic, appreciate you. You got a lot of yes, sir. lot of experience in the in the league and and a lot of yes, lot sir. of lot of a lot of history here to, to expunge that. Low, your PhD and the history you got here are gonna let let our, our current dogs know what's up. And so uh we appreciate both you guys joining us. So good luck Saturday. We're gonna see you Saturday. Good luck Saturday and uh good night and uh Go green. Take care. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you. It's a very unique perspective when you have yeah. uh, current players that are not on, that are coaching on the staff, being able to tell you about, you know, their past experiences. Like you can't. Yeah. You can't teach that. Yeah. That's uh, like if I, like playing in that game, I can't tell you how I feel. Right. You're not gonna feel how I f- I felt that day. Right. You're just not unless you played in that game. Right. And so the closest thing you're gonna get to that is, as former players that played in that game, that are able gonna tell, gonna be able to tell the current players, like what it felt like, mm-hmm. what it was like. Yeah. And so, uh, we're, you know, we're hoping that that translates. And uh, I gotta, I, you know, I got a feeling we're gonna walk in there and we're gonna handle. And our business to hang in there. So yeah, Owen. Yeah. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Man, women's soccer—they are good. We are. It's undefeated. Undefeated. Talk to us. Your 2022 Big Ten champion, Michigan State Spartans, took down number 17 OSU one 0 Lauren DeBow had the lone goal. Outright. Then on Sunday, MSU took down number 14 Rutgers for the first time ever in their history one 0 Outright. And for the first time since 2008, Michigan State boasts the consistent National Player of the Week in Lauren DeBow. Lauren Kozel made history as well with a conference record of fifth career goalkeeper of the week and third of the season. Go support MSU as they take on Minnesota in the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinals at DeMartin Stadium at 4 p.m. on September. On Sunday, October 30th. Now flipping over to hockey. It was a great weekend as well for men's hockey. Taking down Long Island University 3-1 on Friday. Nico Mueller, David Gucciardi, and Carson Dorwart 
all scored for MSU. Then in, in the second game, MSU took down LIU 8-4. Jagger Joshua, he had a hat trick. Nash Neenhouse, he scored twice. Jesse Tucker, Cole Krieger, David Gucciardi all scored in the win for the Spartans. Jagger Joshua, he also earned Big Ten Third Star Honors of the Week. Now flipping over to men's soccer, MSU fell to number 8. Maryland 1-0 and number 13 OSU 2-1. Connor George had the lone goal for MSU and Owen Finnerty. He had say eight saves in the effort as well. They wrap up the regular season against Northwestern where I will be on the call on Sunday. Field hockey, MSU took down CMU. 3-2 in Mount Pleasant. Selena Ricardo, Merrill Hansen, and Easter Vanderlei all scored for the Spartans. And then MSU fell to Miami of Ohio 2-0. Now on to volleyball. MSU fell to number 5, Wisconsin, 3 sets to none. And Indiana in a close one, 3 sets to 2. Aaliyah Moore, she had 16 kills. And Zoe Nunez, she led the Spartans with 11 digs. Four blocks and 35 assists. Finally, over to men's basketball. After playing a close scrimmage against Tennessee, the Michigan State men's basketball team gets ready to take on Grand Valley State in an exhibition on Tuesday. I will be the sideline reporter with Brendan Shabbat and Zach Sardenic on the call. Until next week, I am Owen Ozist with Owen's 360 MSU Sports Weekly Update. But, yeah. Owen, thank you. I heard we look pretty good in. Tennessee and at, at the scrimmage and um, yeah I believe MSU was up early in the second half we were I heard uh, that Kohler looked good and I heard some of our bigs looked Malik good Malik Hall looked really Malik good look good and we're gonna Tyson be, Walker looked good we're gonna be just fine so ladies and gentlemen I think uh, we got um, an NIL deal mm -hmm. that um, oh, yeah. was on the radar this uh, past few days yep there's a tweet Owen yeah so basically Michigan State's offensive line unit signed a deal with Hungry Howie's um, as far as anyone knows, I believe this is sort of the first um, national pizza chain NIL position group sort of partnership. So um, that's great for, for those offensive linemen for being able to profit off of their likeness. And um, it's, it's great to see. That's what NIL is all about. It is. And I think what the takeaway here is that not only is it the first national chain deal of, of, of the NIL era, but it's also that what Michigan State University has done, that the, the offensive line really utilized MSU's evergreen platform um, and has really helped them um, become financially responsible. So I think, I think cup, coupled with it being a national chain, first deal of its kind, and using the evergreen platform at MSU further cements the fact yeah. that MSU football, Michigan State University, Michigan State basketball yeah. are doing all the things all the things that they can to help our young men capitalize on NIL. So with that being said, I am Brian Mosalem. This is my co-host, Justin Thind. You are watching the SD4L show. Thank you, everybody. Good night, go green, and God bless. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.